yeah, the real goal is to focus only on what we need to focus on and um, eliminate what we can safely eliminate. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning into Security Superpowers. My name is Steve Ramey, and I'll be your host through this theater of cyber masterpieces. Our special guest today is Arite's Director of Data Breach Analysis, Will Hartz. Prior to Arite, Will was the Director of Client Services at Epic, where he oversaw several project managers servicing law firms and clients. Hey, Will, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Steve. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you could join. I, I know how busy you are and carving out some time, you know, at this late hour in the evening is, uh, uh, you know, a huge plus for us because our listeners are dying to know about uh, the data mining process. Yeah, of course. No problem at all. Happy to be here. Awesome. So um, how, how'd you get into this role? Yeah, so as you had mentioned, um, I spent quite a bit of time um, an e-discovery service provider. So about 10 years working in the e-discovery industry directly, which is more associated to data management and workflow as it relates to corporate litigations. Um, in recent years, you know, in my previous role, there was a pressing need to identify PII and PHI, so personally identifiable information and protected health information within compromised data sets. And you know, we do that frequently in the litigation world, primarily to redact that information. Um, in this setting, it was more to report, extract out and report on it so that it can be provided um, to bridge counsel and, and to report to regulatory agencies and um, understand what the impact is and, and actually notice those people. So that was a, a new and unique way to use skills I had learned um, and, and workflows I had learned in a, you know, a different setting and a different space altogether. Uh, that's pretty wild. That's a similar kind of, you know, hop, skip and a jump for me. You know, I got pulled into the uh, digital forensic side of, of litigation support and then slowly made my way into a, a cyber only focus. So parallel parallel tracks, uh, you and I both grew up through just a different focus for us while we're, you know, helping to defend the, the world against cyber attacks. Yeah, absolutely. It's been an interesting shift. Um, a lot of the same themes such as things need to move quickly and, um, you know, there, there are a lot of high stakes, but it's it's been an interesting transition to kind of focusing more primarily on cyber versus the, you know, traditionally discovery space. Uh, I, I got to ask, what moves faster, um, an HSR second request or one of these data breach, uh, one of these data breach matters from data exfiltration? You know, that's a great question. Um, a second request might have a lot more stops and starts along the way, a lot more requests that are being thrown at you. Um, but a lot of these, you know, large, fast-moving cyber reviews, um, they're, they're hard to beat. They there's just a lot that goes into it. Um, really large teams, not that there isn't on a, a second request, um, but just a, a lot of stakes, you know, with the company that you know was a victim to this type of incident, where you know they're they're going through potential reputational damages, and, and so they really need you to do everything they can to finish that work up, especially with it being sort of towards the tail end of the process, where um, you know there's there's probably been something published about the incident for some time and, and they really need to get it wrapped up and get back to their clients, get back to the individuals that are impacted and so on and so forth. So the, the stakes feel a little bit higher um, at times, but they're, they're a little bit hard to compare, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, I know both are equally demanding in my mind how fast both have to move, but I never, I'm interested to see if someone could actually compare, you know, the, the 45 day or the 60 day, uh, to, you know, one of the data breach, uh, 
projects, you know, some of the larger clients we, we face. That'd be an interesting graph to see, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's awesome. So we, we mentioned a term there, data exfiltration. You know, in my mind, you know, data exfil means, you know, data went outbound, left a, a client's network into an attacker controlled server. Um, it also has other meanings. Um, you know, we, we categorize it as data exfil, but there's also other meanings. You know, when we work with attorneys, it, they look at it and say, was uh, any information touched, accessed, or taken from the network? Sometimes we can't prove taken, but sometimes we can prove accessed. And so that would still, you know, depending on the files and uh, the content thereof would, uh, would require, you know, assistance from you and your team. So, you know, with the data exfil piece, you know, could you kind of talk about what the process is, what is data mining and how, how your team would help when there's evidence of, you know, any type of unauthorized access or uh, exfiltration? Yeah, absolutely. I can give a high level overview here. So it typically starts with those forensic findings you mentioned where a data set has been identified or isolated as needing review um, for sensitive information. And so typically when a threat actor accesses a server environment and there's data at risk that could have, you know, social security numbers, credit card numbers, financial information, um, and other unique identifying types of information that are reportable to, to those individuals and require notice. Um, we have to go through a process where we actually collect that data. We execute um, a set of searches over it to identify the likely data that needs to be reviewed. And then we perform a review over that data to uncover and, and pull out the, the individual's names and the sensitive data elements that relate to those individuals. And that is the very high level. There's a lot of you know technical elements to that process. In a lot of these projects, depending on the requirements from the client based off of the, the state regulators and you know just the jurisdictions they're in, um, there's a lot that can you know need require customization or pose challenges throughout the process. But really, the, the reason we have to do this type of work is so that we can notice the individuals that do have sensitive information in a timely manner based off of different state regulations that are present. Yeah, absolutely. Um, those state regulations certainly can get chaotic, can't they? Yes, they can. And, and we'll see you know, very tight timelines in which we have to perform this, this process. Typically, once we've created that report, then those timelines do start. However, we're usually moving very fast right on the onset once once a data set has been identified. Um, and, you know, the, our clients will typically have an interest in getting that process over with as, as it is, you know, more towards the tail end of the process so that they can, you know, get rid themselves of the event and, you know, move forward. And so, you know, we're there to support that process and, and make sure that we're walking through each step of the way and, and making sure they're understanding the challenges that come up. And, and those are things that we try to focus on really with any project. Yeah, just just trying to get through it as quickly as possible to get them back to a sense of normalcy. Um, that's really been our MO from an IR side where, you know, we're with them from almost, you know, that zero day of, of the attack through, you know, probably about four to six weeks. Um, and then by the time, you know, we end up um, bringing your team in, it's uh, closer to that, you know, six week mark. Um, so how long would one of your, you know, average matters take to, you know, bring to some type of closure for the clients? Yeah, that's a great question, Steve. So we, we get asked this quite a bit because there's um, obviously a, a need to know how long things are going to take. Um, an average matter, you know, it's probably 
uh, you know, two to four weeks for, for a smaller data set. Um, we've seen projects run much longer where we have hundreds of thousands of documents that need to be looked at and all different types of file types that cause different types of complexities and, and challenges throughout the process. You know, typically it's, it's a short timeline that we're focused on and, and we'll staff up the appropriate review team to, to move that quickly as you know, as quickly as we can through the process. So um, always a hard question to answer and one that, you know, we usually need a little bit more information to give a, a solid answer on, but something that, you know, we, we can estimate upfront when we're starting to deal with the data and starting to analyze it. Yeah, no, I, I get that. It's a, it's a tough question to answer. You know, you, you don't really know what you're getting into until you're, you know, knee deep in it. And at that point, all the, the deadlines are usually thrown out the window and you have to, you know, reassess where those milestones will be. Um, you know, but for our, our listeners, you know, most most ransomware attacks um, can take up, you know, about four, four to six weeks to conclude the investigation. Uh, and then on top of that, it's another, you know, two to four weeks. You're looking really about 10 weeks from a technology side of of understanding the events, both how did they get in, what did they access, what did they take, as well as the information that was taken or accessed, you know, what type of legal implications are involved, you know, because we you know we mentioned state regulations, but there's a lot more to that than just the state like regulations. Will right? Yeah, there is. the The biggest thing that we've seen in many of these, especially the exfiltration matters, is the reputational damage. So, you know, one of our clients had an event, and their their own clients are asking questions, and they're asking questions on a daily basis, and they need answers. And being able to provide the statistics upfront isn't really possible until we've gone through the process, and so that. That causes quite a challenge um, for our clients because you know they, they want to get through this process. They want their business to be whole again. They want to alleviate concerns from their customers. And without being able to provide comprehensive results, it, it leads to you know a bit of anxiety um, on you know everyone's end just to, to move through it as quickly as we can and, and get that information to them. And so yeah, it's it's much beyond the state regulators. There's just usually a lot at stake in, in these types of incidents and. Um, can definitely cause challenges all the way around and, and making sure we're, we're doing everything we can to accomplish the goal thoroughly as quickly as possible. Yeah, the, the PR aspect is, is, is crucial because, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the focus for these groups is financial motivation, specifically for ransomware. They get into the company networks, they figure out what data to take, they exfiltrate it, and then they deploy the ransomware. And the data exfiltration piece is, you know, a backup plan in the event that the groups miss uh, the backups, um, you know, that they didn't fully cripple the network enough to be able to uh, force a payment from the, the clients. So they steal the data to fortunately entice clients to to pay or the victims in that case to pay so that the data doesn't get published or leaked. You know, while we're focused on ransomware um, and authorized access, you know, what other types of, of data do you mind? Is it just, you know, for ransomware matters or are there other matters out there that you receive data for uh, as part of the investigation for data mining? Yeah, great question. The other primary source of, of these types of um, incidents for, for data mining will come from business email compromises. There's no good news about that, but the good news on those is they are a little bit more straightforward in terms of identifying the potentially sensitive data, performing a review on it, and then wrapping up a, a report to provide to breach counsel to then perform their legal analysis. And I'd say that because the types of data that are included in you know, someone's email inbox are going to be more limited than what you'll find on a file server, where 
a file server will um, bring us data such as database files that could be you know, a SQL backup or a Microsoft Access file or, or many hundreds or thousands of those that, as we've seen in the past, um, Excel files that are formatted in you know, thousands of different ways and might have hundreds of sheets and all types of challenges like that that will come up during that process. So you know, a good number of business email compromises and um, they, they do flow a little bit more on a straightforward basis and are a little more predictable um, in terms of the timing we were discussing. But that would be the other kind of main source of um, uh, projects that we see. Um, question for you, Steve, on the exfiltration side, um, how, how early have you seen a project where there was a data, data exfiltration start data mining? And if it was very early, did you see any pros or, pros or cons to that approach? That's something I, I typically wonder because you had mentioned, you know, it's, it's usually several weeks before you know, those forensic findings are, are wrapped up. Yeah, it's, it, it's a great question. In a perfect world, the process follows a linear fashion, right? We conclude the investigation, we move into the data mining, and, you know, that, you know, performs its own task. In, um, in very rare circumstances, we've had clients as soon as there's wind of unauthorized data access, the client starts thinking about who my notification obligations and they want to immediately start data mining at that point. Um, and I've been on matters uh, as early as 10 days uh, where the client has made the decision to start data mining prior to the conclusion of forensics, um, which, you know, you know, to your point about regulations, there's a, again, we're not attorneys on this call here. Uh, sorry, <laughs> not attorneys on this uh this uh, episode here, but you know, there are regulations that clearly state once you determine that this is a breach, you have X amount of time to notify, you know, requisite parties. And so some of the clients who are very risk adverse, uh, they want to demonstrate uh, publicly that they're doing everything they can as quick as they can to right the wrong. I and mean, they, some of them opt to perform data mining very early in the process. Uh, legal teams have you know, are involved that specific data privacy attorneys are involved and, and they'll help coach along the way, you know, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, or we should slow down a little bit. Let's make sure we have concrete forensic findings before we go and notify just cause you know, what we say today, we're moving very fast. We may not have the full scope of the picture, uh, that there's still some fact finding to do once we find some facts and, um, helping to advise the clients that way, they, um, they can calm down a little bit. But, you know, in this one instance, we were actually about 10 days in when, when we started data mining. Uh, and it was a, a global company, a pretty heavy tech stack, um, pretty the threat actor got in and crippled them severely, stole a lot of important data. Um, and it gets back to your file server, you know, um, mentioned that the, uh, the threat actor got in, found your old quote unquote HR folder, Social security numbers and Excel sheets, not password protected, employment applications, 1099 contract forms, all, all with some very sensitive information. Um, and the client knew it was there. We had evidence that the folder was accessed. We didn't have evidence that files were opened. We didn't have evidence that that folder actually went outbound, uh, but the client still opted to move forward with data mining. Uh, rightly so, you know, the, the conversations with the threat actor several days later that actually uh, opened up the door for them sending files from that specific folder. Uh, so we did confirm that data did go outbound, you know, after we started data mining. So unique situation, uh, heightened paranoia, um, 
But uh, it still turned out that it was the best decision the client uh, forcefully made to move it, to expedite it uh, sooner than uh, the typical the typical position. Not often does it happen. Uh, usually it's a more sophisticated client, um, global organization, very risk adverse uh, when we do see the pressure to data mine uh, closer to that uh, initial point of entry date versus the, uh, versus the uh, you know, conclusion of the investigation. Great. Yeah, I can certainly appreciate the, the challenge and the sense of needing to do something when these types of incidents take place. So that's that's uh, definitely an interesting story. Um, you definitely hit on a, a few good points there as well that we're, we're seeing a trend on, I would say, which is, you know, a lot of these exfiltration matters, these threat actors are sophisticated. They are understanding where, you know, the, the data that is probably going to cause the most angst exists. And that's typically in your HR folders, your finance folders, other folders that clearly will contain sensitive information. And so more often than we were previously, we're, we're seeing a lot of, you know, those types of projects where on one sense, it's helpful because we can identify fairly easily what folders are definitely at risk and definitely should be reviewed. And then on the other side, a lot of the files that are kept in those folders can often be, you know, exports from a you know, HR database or, you know, different types of reports that were created for financial purposes or, or what have you. And those can often contain a long list of people that are uh, included, such as it might not only be employees, but it might also be their dependents or beneficiaries that are listed, you know, based off of, you know, perhaps you know, what they signed up for in terms of benefits. And so that causes um, a challenge where we're dealing with a lot more data. Um, sometimes it will get up to hundreds of thousands or millions of individuals identified. And it just kind of raises the, the amount of data that we have to sift through and, and pull out of these documents prior to creating a final report. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. Um, as fast as organizations can grow, you know, new clients, new employees, new contractors, um, you know, they acquire that data, accumulate that much data just as fast. And if they don't have that backbone to be able to funnel the data into with the proper protection um, and this, these types of events occur, you know, forget about it. It's, it's, a, it's a devastating blow to the organization. And then, you know, all that downstream type of uh, activity certainly complicates it. Absolutely. So I know we've, we've kind of alluded to the, the regulators um, law that would require notification. I guess, you know, is, is data mining necessary as part of the overall investigation uh, into unauthorized access? So, you know, just what's your, you know, opinion on, you know, how, 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 how required is, is data mining? Yeah, that's a great question. We work closely with Breach Council to answer these questions in, in live projects, but typically what we'll do in, in any scenario is work with the client to assess, is there any information that could possibly contain sensitive information? And, and oftentimes we'll provide them you know, a list of those types of data elements, like I mentioned earlier, social security numbers or credit card numbers, financial account numbers, driver's license, passports, health information, um, so on and so forth. And so we'll, we'll provide that at times and, and have them assess on their own to determine, is there anything at risk here that we need to look into? If the answer to that is no, oftentimes there may not be a need to do you know comprehensive data mining. The answer might be yes. I'm not sure where that type of data exists. In that case, we're probably going to take more of a boil the ocean approach and really look at everything um, using technology as much as we can to reduce 
be unnecessary and redundant data. Um, and then there's kind of a third category there where you know some of those directories will definitely contain sensitive information. Some will definitely not contain sensitive information. And then there's probably a set of unknown folders that need to be looked at through you know, our, our processes that we would apply to try to weed out any, any information that needs to be looked at. And so that, that question is asked really, I, I would think on almost, if not all matters where exfiltration had occurred um, because you know just the scope is something we want to reduce as much as possible up front. We don't want to have to look at documents that clearly you know will not contain information that would require notice. Yeah, you don't want to waste your time on uh on the not important stuff. So you, you mentioned uh you mentioned boil the ocean. Uh, could you kind of expand on that? What's you know what would be the reason to boil the ocean, and um, what's what has your success been, or have you have you seen it to be? Uh, when you do have to go down that route. So the term boil the ocean or the, the phrase would be more referring to, you know, you might have a 10 terabyte set of data from a file server that is at risk on one level or another. And you, you might not have the forensic findings to be about what exact directories were accessed. And so everything, you know, on some level needs to be looked at. And so one option there would be we could put all of that data through our process, identify, you know, what's likely to contain sensitive information and then review that. You're going to end up with a very, very large set of data and a good portion of that probably doesn't need to be included. So our approach is always trying to figure out, you know, how to whittle that down, how to work with the client to eliminate data that just simply doesn't need to be looked at. And so those are conversations we had to avoid that exact scenario. Um, the biggest factors being time and cost just to go through that much data to deal with all the complex file types that are probably included in a data set of that size. And so we we really have interest in, in trying to reduce that as much as possible for um, and just you know making sure we're not you know looking at data that's going to basically uncover focusing only on the data that will uncover site information is, is really the goal. So just like in e-discovery where, where I worked previously, you know, we only want to focus on on documents that are relevant. And in this case, relevant means firstly identifiable information, protected health information. Sometimes there are, are other elements such as um, student information if, if FERPA is an issue. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, clients will have kind of custom items they need to look for that might relate to their clients to help identify, you know, different types of information that were present within a data set that they need to report back to their clients, either based off of contractual obligations or, or otherwise. Um, so yeah, the real goal is to focus only on what we need to focus on and um, eliminate what we can see. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, boy on the ocean, it doesn't sound like any any type of fun. I guess what, what would be um, a good takeaway for our listeners to not have to go through? Should, should they go into this type of process, right? Have, experience an unauthorized access and then, um, you know, the unfortunate instance where data exfiltration occurs, you know, what would be a good instance or recommendation that you could, you know, provide that they would uh, t- to best put themselves in a, a better position than having to boil the ocean? Yeah, I, I would recommend, you know, first letting and understanding your forensic, letting your forensics findings complete, understanding those forensic forensics working with your incident response team and breach counsel to then understand what that actually means within your data set. Um, Once you have that understanding, you can then start to evaluate what data actually needs to be looked at. 
Uh, at that point, you know, there, there are certain directories that might have been accessed, but do those access directories actually contain anything that we're concerned about from a regulatory perspective? If the answer is no, then you know working with those groups really determine if you can eliminate certain data sets. Um, where you know there is data that needs to be looked at, you know, pointing those out, making sure those are flagged, making sure they're included, and then really just being clear about um, you know data that you might not know a lot about, and and making sure you know we can make a, a safe decision collaboratively to to pull that data in and evaluate it and. We can always go through an initial evaluation and perform an analysis and do you know sampling of documents that are in a, a directory if the answer is I don't know to that question um, and you know start to get a better sense as to what type of data exists we can you know provide access to whoever would need to look at it and so I, I would just really advise to do you know take that thorough approach spend a little time up front to really understand what's in that data set what the forensics findings show. And then start to make sound decisions with you know the groups that you'd be working with um, to ensure that you know everyone's on the same page and aligned with what needs to be looked at and why it needs to be looked at. Absolutely, yeah, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, you know, forensics does have limited view, but you know, given the time for them to exhaust what they need to to exhaust to, to look at part of their analysis, uh, they may be able to you know, quote unquote create a miracle. Um, and provide some granular information about what, you know, downstream steps would be required for, uh, you know, the data mining process. Right. And, and all these decisions need to be backed up with a degree of logic, right? So if you can explain, you know, why something was excluded or why it was included, that's, that's really important. And so, you know, working with, with the folks that can help understand, um, you know, those elements, which is typically your breach council, is, is going to be really important. Absolutely. So I do want to ask you one question here, um, you know, before we uh, conclude. Well, what was the craziest data breach analysis project you've you've worked so far? Yeah, we've had a few really large ones in the past um, several months here. Um, you know, there's there's one in particular where we I don't know about six hundred thousand documents, and, and almost half of those were spreadsheets. Um, and spreadsheets on their face sound like they're not that complicated, but but many of these spreadsheets can be, they're, they're human-created files in many cases, and so they're created however that human wants to create them. The challenge that causes is, in an ideal world, you could copy and paste out the people's names and the, the data elements associated with them and kind of bring it into a report very simply. Um, in this case, they're missing header information. They have, you know, macros that cause various issues and and pulling the data out. There are other formatting, just general Excel formatting issues, whether that be, you know, pivot tables or merged cells or, you know, different functions that, you know, many people and businesses use. And so that caused a lot of issues as we had to employ a team to essentially go through those files manually to, to reformat them in such a way that we could perform those extractions um, in a much more efficient manner at the end of the day. And that, that project also required not only looking for sensitive information such as PII or PHI, but also information, different types of account numbers that would relate to their customers and provide sort of a, a breakdown and cross-reference to which customers those associated to. And within Excels and within other file types, that, that line isn't always very clear. And so it, it required, you know, daily stand-up calls with our client to go through, um, get guidance on exactly, you know, what 
what different um, types of information mean, how, how we should be extracting them, why they're meaningful, and then really getting a very deep understanding in terms of um, what information is really important for them to report back to their clients. And so we, we have the regulatory um, obligation, you know, requirements covered in terms of identifying uh, sensitive information as it relates to PII, but the challenge there is really understanding the client's business and understanding, you know, why why different numbers, whether they be account numbers or um, other client-specific numbers, are important and how they relate to each other, and then pulling them together in one really big report. I, I believe that report at the onset, when we put it all together, was about a billion entries, um, and we were able to reduce that down through deduplicating redundant information quite significantly down to a handful of million, but. It, to give you a sense of scope, it was a very, very large project. Yeah, it sounds pretty uh, complex. I mean, uh, I remember my days with with Excel spreadsheets. You can hide hide tabs and uh, hide columns. You can have uh, you know, create formulas within each of the cells. All those cells can be different. So I can't imagine what you have to go through to help normalize and get those in a reviewable state. Yeah, there's a uh, when you're doing this type of work, it feels like an unnecessary amount of things you can do in Excel to <laughs> make this a challenge for us, but um, you know, those, those features exist for a reason. And on the back end, when we're dealing with them, you know, we, we essentially have to undo all that work to put it in a format that that's something that can be reviewed and understood and, and pulled out. And especially when you're dealing with very large Excels where there's just no way to really do it manually. Um, there has, we have to create alternative and customized workflows in order to, to take that data and, and get it more, more in a, a format that can be uploaded into a database and, and work on you know, within a database versus uh, across hundreds of thousands of files that are large and have many worksheets and have those types of formatting issues that you mentioned. Absolutely. Rightly so. Well, good. All right. Well, um, I sure do appreciate the time today coming on to talk to us about the importance of, of uh, data mining and the challenges that you faced uh, with helping companies understand what data may have been accessed or taken out of out of their networks, um, you know, understanding that there's uh, no hard and fast requirement for it, but strong recommendation to help legal teams answer specific questions surrounding uh, reporting obligations uh, based on the data types uh, that may have been accessed or taken. So um, I do appreciate the uh, the time. Uh, any any final words for? For our listeners, um, I would I would just tell you know, the listeners to to be patient through this process. It's it's certainly a challenging one. Um, help is on the way. There's a lot of technology offerings that you know are starting to evolve and develop that I think will help this space advance to kind of another level. So, uh, really excited to see how that turns out and, and be part of that. But um, yeah, I think it's nice to be, be patient through that process as it's um, it's definitely a challenging space to to work in. It certainly is so. All right. Well, well, thank you for, for joining Security Superpowers this week um, and talking to us about data mining. To our listeners, you know, stay vigilant. And remember that uh, even after the investigation concludes, depending on those findings, there still may be subsequent steps that you and your legal team will, will have to, to move through.